and gentlemen, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank, we got a doozy of an episode this week in store. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us, everyone. We're syndicated via Redline Radio LLC. So you can find us on Redline Radio. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. I love doing that. That felt good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be sure uh, <laughs> to dose yourself and then uh, a ton of Aquanet and yeah. make your way over YouTube uh, to see all the goofy faces we make at each other. But we put this podcast together just for you. We sure did. And for any new listeners out there, there's a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other to review. Plus, we have a wide variety of musical discussions, like our Spotlight series, where we dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out on the other side. Or in our Verse series, uh, where we pit two albums against each other and duke it out for complete and total stereo domination. Absolutely. And be sure to check us out on Instagram. And now in our new Facebook group, we like to drop additional content that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness. And of course, Mark's random nonsense. And more importantly, if you have a record that you want us to check out, drop us a comment wherever you find us. While you're at it, subscribe, give us a review and a rating. And I'm going to all of a sudden just say this, Mark, how are you, my man? Frankie, I'm good, my man. Uh, pumped. Uh, to get our time travel on, we've been back to the good old days of 1987 today. 1987. So, Mark, I have a question, though, for you. Mm-hmm. The question is, what lived in the 80s, featured an abundance of inventory, and was basically decimated by one song? Uh, I'd like to play this Jeopardy rules. Yes. What is the rise of herpes? Ah, yes. Also known as hair and glam metal. <laughs> now, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to fit into this phony hipster moniker that, that we get. Uh, listen, I, I know. I know. I, I, I don't know which side he's on, so I'm just yeah, pointing everywhere. Yeah, there you go. Right. I'm not going to fit into that. However, uh, you know, listen, I did dig... The, the style at the time. And again, I've mentioned before on previous episodes, checking our archives, I was a huge and am a huge Def Leppard fan. I used to imagine myself on that hysteria round stage being Joe Elliott. And I, and I think some of those bands were legitimately good, uh, but they got thrown into a crock pot and really got clumped into being a watered down version of what they set out to be. Uh, Mark, you know, what say you on that whole genre? You know, uh, American rock was in a weird place after the seventies, right? While we witness the birth and, and baby steps of heavy metal, punk rock, and even hip hop, mainstream rock music was taking on its own weird shape, a weird and feathered shape. <laughs> Fucking hair metal. Uh, gross. Ew. Um, this is an area our listeners know I've, I've got a beef with the genre because it's based on uh, more on how cute the dudes are uh, and not how good they were at writing and performing music. That said, uh, there are plenty of great musicians that come out of the 80s uh, and hair metal. Uh, there are some really phenomenal guitarists and singers and drummers. Um, but, you know, this was a period known for its excess in pageantry. And what can I say? I, I hate a good dog and pony show. 
<laughs> and, and Mark's right. Record companies, they're running rampant to sign these bands with the big hair, a little makeup, some spandex. And lots of mix, makeup. Lots of makeup, right? And and their mix of metal and pop hooks, which basically what it was. Mm-hmm. We spoke about you know, Metallica in our previous episode, and they were really adamant about their distaste for the genre. There's an interview of Lars saying how he and James would heckle Motley Crue outside of the shows uh, on Sunset Strip. And James says to them, that it, music was not about that to them. So um, it, it was it was pretty interesting when you say, Mark, that they were very adamant against this. You know, I would have loved to be like a fly on the wall and see that happen. Uh, just to see what it's like. Did that come up? I know you watched the uh, the Dirt, the Motley Crue movie. I did. Um, did that come up at all? Was there like, like two snot-nosed, pimple-faced kids like... <laughs> playing James and Lars, giving them a hard time, or is it just them eating pussy the whole time? Yeah, pretty much that one, because then that, oh, would, okay. de- that would devalue the whole movie, right? right? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but listen, the downfall that eventually happened, and we'll probably have to have a, a bigger episode on that, but I mean, listen, I think it was justified. Uh, it was an overabundance, and listen to what I'm about to spew out here. Uh, we have Bad Company, Bad English, Dangerous Toys, and Mr. Big, Oh My, Nelson, Night Ranger, Quiet Riot, Nitro, Trickster, and Slaughter. This is where, of course, I start to sigh. Steel Heart, Striper, Poison, Great White, LA Guns, Firehouse, Can You Just Hear It, Warmth, Wasp, White Lion, White Tiger, White Snake, and Winger. And that's why the genre is probably killed by the song Smells Like Teen Spirit. Talk about access, right, Mark? I thought you were singing an Aerosmith song for a minute there. Um, <laughs> I tried to do like the bounce in like the Dr. Seuss songs or the Dr. Right. Seuss books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you there. For me, this genre is a perfect example of how record labels ruin the music business. And before I get too far on that soapbox, let me say, yeah, the lib- labels did a great job of selling people the bullshit they wanted to hear. Uh, and you can't fault them for that. What I can blame them for is the excess for making uh, taboo and kinky into mayo. You know, uh, we could have been uh, what could have been, excuse me, a cool cult subgenre got homogenized and marketed for the masses uh, by by integrity. But that's mainstream rock and roll. So, yeah, and, and you nailed it on the head. They did their job. The record labels, right? They. They, yeah, they were they successful in what they did. They made the product. They sold the product. It was in excess. Um, but some ramifications came along with that. Of course, they don't care. But people like me and you care. And that's why we're talking about this. Right? Yeah. And listen, I'll be honest again. Most of these singers, they have a real voice with great range. Uh, the musicianship was pretty solid. I mean, those guys could absolutely shred. Poison, also known to me as Captain L and the Lamo Pants, um, had C.C. DeVille on guitar, and he's a good guitar player. He, he is, and a character to begin with. However, of course, the rest of them is, you know, subject to what we'll be talking about shortly. So, Mark, let's do a top ten. Check out this record. This is going to be our collective list of worst hair metal bands. Now, I want to say some bands I mentioned may have a song or two that I like, but hey, listen, everyone has a guilty pleasure, right, my friend? Yeah, and you know, when you've put out 15 records over 25, 30 years, we should be able to like at least two or three of them. Um, God forbid you complete like a whole record that I like, but maybe I'm asking too much. So, um, good point. You know, I, my, my, my first pick is yeah. poison. Um, they achieved commercial success in the mid eighties through the mid nineties. And it's, Sold over 45 million records. God, you people will listen to garbage. The band has charted 10 singles in the top 40 
of the Billboard Hot 100, right. uh, including six top 10 singles Oof. and the Hot 100 number one. You ready for this, Frank? Yes. Every rose has a shitty fucking thorn. I know. People are going to say I don't know what I'm talking about. But these albums and their singles are absolute trash. <laughs> Put your nostalgia down and listen to them. They suck. Band spent more time looking like chicks that they wanted to bang than trying to write songs that meant anything cool. Right. Uh, it's too bad for Ricky Rocket and CC Deville because even though CC Deville is probably like the best stage name ever, yeah, like, that's such a cool, cool fucking name. Um, cool. You know, they're naturally great <laughs> musicians, but their their talent <laughs> admitted to utter trash when they wrote garbage songs and played them <laughs> to get like. It, <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. You were cool, but like the sum of all parts didn't equal something better. So, so lots of things come in my head real quick. First of all, I actually had them on the list I, I initially did, but as I'm writing it out, I'm like, Mark would do this better than me. So I took it because oh, I because I knew Mark would, would would pick Poison number one. Number two is when you said every rose has its thorn. I think of uh, uh, the Grim Reaper and Bill and Ted's bogus <laughs> journey when they're going into heaven and he's mm-hmm. trying. And they're singing the lyrics of every rose has their thorn, and the Grim Reaper is singing it. But listen, uh, absolutely, like Ricky Rock and CC Deville, especially like I just spoke about it a couple of seconds ago. Uh, I mean, good musicians. You know, I I don't dislike uh, the guy Brett Michaels as an individual individual but i mean they're not really putting out anything here and it's amazing the 45 million records yeah Astonishing. I mean, the names of these guys they sound more like a an anime than they do a fucking <laughs> rock band from the 80s like come on dude ricky rocket cc deville i know Brett michaels the guys got two first names like <laughs> i know i know all right you're up my yeah, I'm up. So for me, uh, number this is number nine now on the the list. I have slaughter, um, slaughter. slaughter. Uh, this is the late the later '80s, and thank God we didn't have much of them uh, in the early uh, decade. Up all night, you know that song. Up all night, sleep all day. Fly me to the angel, spend my life. There were hits with Mark Slaughter's high falsetto voice. Uh, they still kick it around on your nostalgia tours. I mean, props for not wearing makeup, but but man, if the moon really made a cheese, then this would be their home man because i it, it's 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 horrible and, and when i when i hear them on uh, satellite radio i gotta turn them off so man when, when frank cuts you he cuts you right to the bone doesn't he my god Woo. um so uh next up <laughs> for me is rat um and i'm gonna keep this short because never has a record label proven they can sell a shit record by slapping pretty boys on it like rat Pure garbage. That fucking band is absolute garbage, and I don't give a shit. Oh, uh, you know, that that's it. Like, that's all I wrote. That's all you wrote, and that's all you need to write. You know, it's so funny because they could be like the one band that's so identified by one song. And someone once told me, "Oh, you gotta dig into their stuff," and I did, and I was like, "No, it's it's absolutely horrible." So yeah, yep. sorry. Yep. Next up is Firehouse. So there's that guy Christopher Cross. You know, he wrote those adult soft tunes like Sailing and Arthur's Theme. Oh, he's a yeah. Sail Away guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, Arthur's Theme, When You Get Caught Between the Moon and New York City. Are you okay? Are you having a yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Okay? I'm, singing, I'm so- singing that song. Oh. Well, the band, Firehouse, has... I'm texting your wife to call an <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I sorry. appreciate it. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I interrupt. Please, go, go ahead. <laughs> She's going to ignore it anyway. <laughs> but uh, um, so Christopher Cross, Arthur's theme, uh, the band Firehouse, they have less balls than that music. I mean, the best song wow. they can deliver is a song called Don't Treat Me Bad. Uh, they could take their mid-tempo tunes and tour out in Asia because, believe it or not, they're still popular there. Uh, this band is bad. 
Firehouse is next, uh, number seven, coming in number seven on the list. Yeah. Uh, so uh, is another short one for me. Um, the best thing about this band is their name. It's Dokken. <laughs> um, a band so boring, I can't even remember what their hits were. But people love them. Why? I have no idea. Dokken. I think Dokken is when... Um, Two men place their penises together, mm. like head to head, right. and then one rolls the foreskin over the other one. I think that's docking. <laughs> Frank? Oh, man. And that would create better music than what we heard out of docking. Yeah, it makes like a really, like, it's not like a suction sound, but it is like it's reverse suction. I don't know how it works. It's really lovely, though. Um, two <laughs> men are absolutely welcome to make love in any way that makes them happy as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, st- I'm still equating that to Dawkins, but I'm <laughs> yep. Oh, man. So I guess Dawkins did something for us. Dawkins did something for us, right? Um, so next, number five, is Mr. Big. The fact that this band uh, was even a thing goes to show you how the record companies were just throwing themselves uh, at these guys. I mean, they remind me of a guy at an open mic that's so bad, but you have no choice to watch him perform because you're up next. Uh, they made the mediocre bands um, like the ones we, we mentioned and other ones out there uh, that we're reviewing later uh, come off as amazing. So Mr. Big, number five, uh, they're, they're horrible. Mark? Number four, how the fuck has a band from Philly suburbs sold 15 million records? I'm not talking about the Menzingers. I'm talking about Cinderella. <laughs> oh, fucking a bunch of dudes named Cinderella. I don't, I don't care that I look homophobic right now. Um, these dudes were straight as could be, but they all dressed like chicks and sang, sang like them. Their biggest hit was 1988's Don't Know What You've Got Till It's Gone. Well, they're gone, and I still don't know what I got. <laughs> they're still shit to me. And, and that's another shame because I, Tom Kiefer, the, the singer, uh, like actually is a legit blues guitar player and i'm like how how did those skills translate to the songs we were hearing um yeah from cinderella so go go figure um three for me is winger she's only 17 daddy says she's too young but she's old enough to me well pal if that's the case you're actually in jail right right. uh headed for a heartbreak give me a break who can forget about easy come easy go well kip winger uh if you were your age and she was indeed 17 then maybe it was easy come anyway (laughs) My point is Winger's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't believe they made that show Wings about the band Winger and they were oh, so terrible. About the brother the pilots. They were brothers and they were pilots. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thomas Hayden Church and all. <laughs> now it's a good show, just, by the way. That show holds up. I don't care what anyone's does it? <laughs> yeah. Good. I only made that joke because I know that Frank likes it. I love that show. Um so number, <laughs> these next two people are really gonna get fucking up in arms and I don't give a shit. Um, listen, for me, this is my number one pick, but this is the way these lists work. Frank and I get uh, a chance to take turns as to picking who's number one and who's number two. And Well, this is Mark's uh, number one out of his side of the list. This is definitely my number one, but I got to tell you, and I'm not giving it away, Frankie, Frank makes a great choice. Um, so for me, number two, the absolute worst, the biggest pile of shit to come out of the 80s, hair metal, glam metal, whatever you want to call it, Twisted Sister. Yeah, D. Snyder is a jackass. Yeah, it's great that he fought for, like, oh, censorship. uh." Yeah, whatever, dude. All right? He hates when people call Twisted Sister a glam metal band. Really, D? You spent all that time and energy putting on eyeliner and women's clothing and so you could sell a record, and now all of a sudden you're too ugly to do it, and and, (laughs) uh, it's cramping your style? Get the fuck out of here, dude. (laughs) 
the music videos for your songs spoke perfectly for how well you knew this band was a joke, right? Yes, the songs were silly. They were anthematic. They were like anthems in many cases. I don't fucking know what that word is. I'm just making shit up. But you clearly understood that it was a gag. Clearly understood that. And the fact that you're going to get all high and mighty and be like, you need to treat this like it's fucking art. Go fucking dick. Go sell some more fucking beans or chili or whatever you're doing and just shut the fuck up, D. Snyder. Thanks for speaking up for my for my freedom from censorship like nobody else would have done it. You eloquent giant ape. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. And what's funny is when uh, the interview, like um, there was an interview segment, I forgot which uh, it could have been on VH1 years ago, where mm-hmm. where they they went around and of course they talked about uh, you know the the downfall of the genre. And Dee Snyder specifically is talking about how these other bands were part of it. And I'm and I'm like, well, you, you were probably part of it too, pal. So there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, number one, uh, and and that was good. I'm I'm not gonna be able to top that at all. I'm just putting it out there. But my number one is Come on, fudge their bucket. The yeah, exactly fudge the bucket. T-shirts gonna be available soon. Uh, the brothers Nelson, Nelson, and then brothers. Is, yeah, the twin brothers Nelson. That's that's a guilty pleasure alert. So I'm just saying it. Like two songs can't live without your love and affection. After the rain, they were. Key, key word here, were my jams. Mm. I rocked the cassette tape. I like mm. the fact that they were Ozzy and Harriet's grandsons and, of course, Ricky Nelson's sons. He, uh, Ricky Nelson was a pioneer and died way too young. Uh, but the fact that this was even thrown around is yeah with the metal phrase attached to it is insulting to actual metal musicians their their songs were corny and they were cash grabs and they tried to go off of i think the two brothers again they're they're good looks whatever the case is the stuff is just it's not good it's not good so number one from my side of the list and it just happens that's how the hierarchy went uh nelson yeah yeah nope hey you know sometimes frank's right they fudge the bucket they're over at nelson (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's right i have to uh, tell you yeah tell me tell me it felt a good it felt good to get some of that anger off my chest i'm not gonna it, lie to you yeah this, this is a good release i, I have to be yeah. honest with you uh well, well let's talk about the release at at hand too so sure. uh, that, those were the appetizers and i'm Ooh. sure we pissed off people right now and it's time for that main course so my good buddy don he loves him some great white and he recommended us their third record once bitten uh, Great White was formed uh, in L.A. in 1977. They got their name from Mark, guess. Great White uh, Shark. <laughs> yes, yes. So fast forward to 87 and their third album, Once Bitten, is released. Uh, not related, though, to the cover song they did in the next album, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, that they would do on the next album, Twice Shy. Two, two years later? Yeah. So, Mark, yeah. I'm thoroughly confused, right? So. Yeah. Mark, chat us up here. When was the first time that you knew of this band? Um, and I know we have some stuff that you want to cover on their cover art, but talk to me about this. Yeah, man. Talk about the shittiest name in rock history. Look, like, sharks are awesome. Absolutely. Nobody, nobody's arguing the awesomeness of sharks with you. Love me a good shark. Um, I thought this is where the phrase Great White Hype came from because uh, <laughs> I've never been impressed by this band. I just assumed... They were another cliche 80s hair band, and I, I almost completely skipped them up until this week. Um, as far as the cover uh, of the record, this is the singer? That's the singer? <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was a girl. I, 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 I don't know. 
How do I? Now, these guys. It's a whole genre based on on dressing up like a woman. How am I supposed to know? Now you have me guessing. Uh, is that actually the singer or? <laughs> Otherwise, I, I liked it. You know, keeping a shark on it. I thought that was a good idea because you know, I, I this could have been the, like a, a house band for KKK parties, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh man, this is good stuff right here. This is good stuff. I hope so. Yeah. So track by track review, and and guys, uh, as everyone track can by hear, track, review. track by track review, and uh, we only have nine tracks to dive into in this album, which uh, as you guys could tell, both of us were happy about that. So let's get right to it. We get the first yeah. track, Lady Red Light, and so if we were to put a band like Great White into the, you know the hair metal glam category, which we are, uh, mm-hmm. then they would have those stereotypical characteristics that personally frustrate me where again the guitars can play and the singers have good voices and the singer jack russell uh, to this day if you watch recordings he has a he has a legit voice the song displays precisely that you get this cool guitar riff in the beginning and his voice is good and and again like i said still is the melodies and the chorus are memorable and kind of keep you singing but they distract the listener from the surface level content that's out there uh, with this song. It's not a bad way to start off the album, but it's definitely a song based on those characteristics that could frustrate a listener like me. Mark? Yeah, I dug that opening riff too. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, then the, the moody soundscape of the vocals, bass, and drums, then the, the, car, the guitar slowly builds behind it. Uh, I honestly have no idea what Lady Red Light means or is supposed to. It's, oh shit, is that a tambourine? Um, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, you know, it's kind of textbook song structure for, for the genre. It really like, you know, they got out the checklist here. Um, it's surprisingly non-offensive. Like, like I was kind of worried, right? I made the joke about that being the singer on the album, but like this yeah. woman on the album. I was worried that it'd be kind of like, you know, some woman who jerks dudes off at red lights, like he's picking up prostitutes. Yeah, I, I thought it was that type of meaning too, but. It, it, like the song doesn't suggest any of that in the lyrics. Um, no. It's. Like I said, surprisingly unoffensive, surprisingly not misogynist. I mean, oh shit, yeah. keyboard solo into a guitar solo. Did you, did you see that coming, Frank? <laughs> I, I did. did you see that I coming? Did. <laughs> um, you know, so like I said, get out your cliche checklist, Frank. These dudes are doubling down. I mean, and maybe with the surface level content, maybe we're even looking too into it with the lady red light. Maybe it means the dude was driving and he's at a red light and he sees this lady not obviously being a street corner person, but maybe she was just there and passing and that's his lady red light. Who knows? Do you think um, it's just like a, an angel that floats over stop signals and like uses her magic to change it? Well, and he's course. just like, lady red light. It's the 80s. I need to sing about cliche angels. That's what it is. We just solved it right here. Yeah. So uh, track number two is going to get you. Going to get you, Mark. <laughs> it's formulaic and clean. Checks all those boxes we were just talking about. Perfectly radio friendly. This thing is so squeaky clean. Um, Did these guys not do drugs? (laughs) Like the musicianship is is good, but it's it's not exciting. Um, And and this is my complaint with a lot of this record. It it could use some edge. It could use the band is called Great White. It could use some teeth. Yeah, no, I know kind of Metallica's frustrations like, being around that scene at the time. Uh, yeah. Classic 80s riff in the beginning and a cool solo again. Uh, however, the song is just a simple concept wrapped around tight musicianship. The course of Nowhere to Run, I'm Gonna Getcha. Hey, man, that's predictable. I mean, this is your blueprint 
and the archetype uh, for an '80s hair metal rock song. Uh, I don't think it's a, I don't I don't think it's a strong track. So um, next is "Rock Me," which is what people consider it. It was their breakout single. Here's the hit single, right? Listen, nice little bluesy riff in the beginning, and you even get like a little harmonica appearance. Uh, the verses are cool with the light riffs, and then it builds up, and there I say, rocking chorus. Dare um, you? I know. Whew got hot in here man um, i know i think structurally it's actually more advanced than the previous tracks uh and, and it is really based really than the rest of the album too uh it's a good track listen i'm not gonna lie my issue though is the repetitive nature and phraseology of the word rock i mean we just heard it two songs ago with lady red light and her rocking him tonight i didn't need to hear that again so soon after didn't need to hear that uh it's a prime example of there's not much thought put into the song titles and the lyrics. In fact, Mark, I'd like to actually right now, and this is going to be the first time anyone's hearing it, show you an example of something I created that took no time. Are you, are you, are you wanting to hear that? Yes. Ooh, and that's Mark's cat, everyone. Look at that. Yeah, it's Opie, guys. All right, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm very a, excited to announce this is a debut, debut mm-hmm. of, of Frank's new song. Frank's yeah. new hit single. Yeah. Let's do it. It's called Rockin' rockin My Way to Your Love Tonight. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Frank Maria and his hit new single written just 35 minutes ago, Rockin' My Way to Your Love Tonight. Tonight, tonight. You've been running far too long wearing that black and red. It's just a matter of time, baby, as I can't get you out of my head. So give me this chance so I can be rockin' to Rocking my way. I even messed up. Rocking my way to your love tonight. Down on the expressway of love we drive. Again, rocking my way to your love tonight. Down on the expressway of love we drive. I just wrote that not too long ago, and I used the word rock, and I'm going to put that on the Facebook page. Guys, if you could just remember to go like, give it a sweet solo in your head. Frank, man, you crushed it. See? See? Yeah. Yeah, but a yeah. point taken where you could really take the word rock and put that as a concept around these tunes, and I think that's what a lot of them were doing. And Mark, yeah. I know you like that song. <laughs> uh, I love the song that you just wrote. Uh, moving along to track four, All Over Now. Mm, talk to me about All Over Now. Uh, man, I would love for this to be the last song. <laughs> <laughs> Why was this put here? It's, it's called All Over Now. <laughs> Um, it's about breaking up. Uh, sorry, Don. There's just no action here, man. So <laughs> oh man! So all over now, right? Well, uh, unfortunately for us, it's not all over, as Mark says. In fact, we got six tracks to go. Now, I was trying to be a smartass there, as you could tell. But listen, this track. Um, you know, listen, it isn't bad, but that's where the problem in this album lies. These tracks are not bad, and more importantly, they're not great. They don't move the album along, and it doesn't create any sort of replay value. In fact, as everyone could tell, we're pretty happy when this album was finished, right? I mean, yeah. listen, the melodies and the verses are, uh, you know, okay, but it's just a bag of, big bag of eh, and that's that's the best way I could I could describe it. Um, track five, we get Mistreater, and ha, at first I thought the song was Maneater, and I really wish Maneater came on as <laughs> Mistreater. Um, you get the acoustic guitar intro, which I can dig, and, and then comes in the rest of the band. Uh, she's a mean Mistreater, but you can't leave her alone. I mean, again, this is just a, a blanket of generic stuff and phrases being thrown around a la Bon Jovi. And listen, it's good background music. It, 
I mean, I, I enjoyed the solo, but I mean, again, it, it's not giving people like me and you anything, anything here. Yeah, I, th- I think clearly uh, Maneater was the inspiration for this generic checklist song, Frank. <laughs> um, this dude has a great voice and the solos are cool, but my God, is it like generic and boring otherwise? Um, I feel like these guys were born in a lab marked 80s opening acts creation room. I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's just like, and it's crazy because like me and Frank were making fun of these guys before we came on. And I was like, let me look at the actual history of this band. My God, there's like, other than the music, it's fascinating. It is. How is this band so fucking boring? Like, and and people like them enough to nowadays, and we'll, we'll we'll touch base on that in a little bit. But there's like two factions of the band that actually exist, right? Yeah, Co- yeah. Because people can't get enough of them, and two creators both want to cash in on their dumbass band. I mean, it, it's it's awe inspiring, absolutely awe inspiring. Uh, hey, yeah. Frank. Yes, yeah, sir. Never change heart. I won't. That's uh, that's the name of the next song. Oh, um, I thought. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. you were actually talking about my heart and how good. It well, is. Uh, you know, um, you can use a little. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, don't go changing to try. Anyways, um, so never change heart. Track number six. Um, it kind of has this keyboard intro, and I was really hoping we were going to get some like hot '80s synth sex with mm. this sexy intro. I know. No, that doesn't happen. Um, this sounds like so many other songs j- just kind of jammed together for radio play that it, that it makes me kind of want to puke, if I'm being honest with you. Because um, you can't start something sexy and then just, just shove mayo in it. It's just gross. <laughs> um, I wish this song had some heart of its own because it really – it just doesn't. This thing falls so flat. Um, you know, it might've been cool if they had, if they had really taken the time to, to sexify this thing, they just chose not to, man. It's so boring. Can I be honest with you, man? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so when you mentioned puke, I thought about the time we were at band practice and you did that, that, that projectile. Oh, uh, when I puked on that poor snail. Yeah. I wasn't feeling good that day. <laughs> I think I had food poisoning and I still went to band practice. Oh. And despite the fact that I was like sweating and the guys thought I was going to shit my pants. Uh, I played anyways, and then like we used to go for walks, and we would just talk shit like just yeah. in between sets, and just walk and walk and walk. And I wasn't feeling good, so I decided like, "Hey, you guys want to see me puke?" And then there was a snail, so I just like it had to be like ten feet away from me. Like I projectile puked on this snail. It was not good. It was all Gatorade and bile, like. <laughs> I feel bad for that snail. Me too. And all I remember, because Mark, obviously you're bent down all of a sudden, you saw my feet just scatter off. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank's a little squeamish. People not might not believe that. Yeah. Um, oh, big time. Like, yeah. hair and food will cause me to vomit on the spot. Yeah. My problem with this beard is that, like, a lot of times I'll see uh, hair in my food, and I'll be like, wait, is that mine? <laughs> and I got to think about it, and then I realize usually it is. Usually yeah. it is. Not that it happens that much, but, like, yeah, it, ha- it happens enough. I'm big time squeamish. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what were we on? We're on talking about uh, the snail. No, never change never, heart. Sorry. Never change heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's your turn. Yeah. Again, the intro. Listen, it, it's not bad, and we get the bass, which is nice change to actually hear it for a variety of purposes. Almost yeah. reminds me though of Lady Red Light and the verses. This is one of those that uh, it's a tough one for me because I, I like how the chorus has the classic '80s rock feel, um, but um, and I'm pretty sure it's an E minor, so they're using that on the chorus so we get kind of this sad feel but i wish the rest of the song would actually emulate that 
that sadness a little more, but then that would create emotion that would then therefore create effort. And I think that's what is lacking here. So, um, moving on to fast road, finally, a a change of pace, uh, which is welcomed. I hear some hot, hot, for a teacher, um, mm. Van Halen during the verses uh, with the riff. I mean, I would have taken more of this um, or just the effort to change the tempos a little more. Obviously, effort. I'm saying that now constantly, right? Uh, I, I like this solo and that the drums never let up. Um, you know, th- to me, this earned them some chops. It's pr- I would say if I had to pick a favorite on the album, it would be it. The fast-paced nature uh, doesn't by any means throw it into like a punk style, but still at least makes it a little more grittier, uh, like a Motorhead-style rock song. And and I think Russell's vocals are spot on. Uh, a version that actually exists on the Jack Russell Great White band on their acoustic bites album i think they did a great job i mean for what it's worth at least it was a little bit entertaining mark <sighs> you know the fact that that guy's name is jack russell and that's a kind of weird yappy dog is like so <laughs> not lost is. on me right, so let me paint you a picture of how this song was written okay yes producer walks in the room and says hey we need something uh that sounds like some van halen to record and the drummer peeks up and he goes uh i got this and that's how this song went um otherwise it's a it's a master stroke in in cliche writing check out check out these lyrics i yeah and picked for you uh i'm not going to do my best jack russell because honestly i've already forgotten what his voice sounds like um <laughs> faces come frank they do the faces go frank all looking for someone to be i don't mind i do fine there's nowhere that i'd rather be on a main line. Fast road to nowhere. A straight line. Fast road to nowhere. Who, the, who writes like this? Who talks like this? Who says, I'm on a fast road to nowhere? Who, like, the phrasing of this is just like, what, what rock and roll car guy fucking filler can I stuff into a song so that it sounds like a cool fast car song and I can be on a fucking Harley Davidson mixtape one day like fuck you <laughs> fuck this song dude it's so boring and generic oh my God. you know it's a better song though is Tell me. Rock, rocking my way to your love tonight I think that one Ooh. has some that's a I think good it's track. got some hit potential yeah, yeah. right and have, hopefully yeah. next time I say it I don't I don't botch it up but yeah you know yeah. I, I think that tune has some potential yeah, well, it was debuted on Redline Radio, so I think they yeah. own rights to it now. Mm. Um, so you probably owe that guy like 37 cents by the end of this episode. <laughs> there you go. I don't know what kind of contract you signed. Uh, next, we have On the Edge, Mark. And I, I like how we talked about, uh, I think earlier this week, how you said this was the furthest thing from having an edge. And I agree. Yeah. It's, it's another yeah. mid-tempo 80s rock track that goes nowhere, but... You know, hey, the but goes goes anywhere. I'm sorry, but the places that are interesting. Uh, maybe this influenced years later Aerosmith to write "Living on the Edge." LOL, that's a joke. Uh, you know, listen. Uh, what else is a joke is Weird Al's "Living in the Fridge," and I have to be honest with you, that song is better than both "On the Edge" and Aerosmith's "Living on the Edge." So that's all I have to say about that song. So for the, the listeners at home, uh, Frank and I share a document, and that's how we create the scripts for these. Yes, he wrote. LOL. I did. Into the script. And it's never been fucking funnier. I did. And that's life. why I said it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's pretty fantastic. I mean, you know, I'm happy to report that uh, Living on the Edge wouldn't be released for six years after this. 
so the good news is they didn't steal it from Aerosmith. <laughs> yes. uh, however, you know that this thing has has zero edge. It's nowhere near the edge. Uh, and there is a moment uh, in one of the guitar solos that sounds like Michael Jackson's bad. The yes, yes, you're right. That happens in one of these. But the good news is that album isn't released for two months until this until two months after this one came out. So chances are he didn't steal it from Eddie Van Halen who played the guitar solo on that. Yeah. Um, but it's clear that Van Halen was definitely an influence on this band and they could not do anything to get close to sounding <laughs> like Van Halen. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad for him, but... I know. Hey, man. Truth yep. Slayers, that's what we are. Uh, Truth Slayer. Truth Slayer. And we are now at track nine, Save Your Love, the ninth, and thank God, the final track. Um, it's got that open E intro uh, on the acoustic guitar. When the B comes in, it almost sounds a little bit like Metallica's Fade to Black. Uh, I give the track props because at least it's, even though it's a slower tempo, tempo it's a different tempo. Um, and at least that gives us a little bit different sounds i listen i i thought the chorus was at least catchy and and moderately memorable i guess it's their power ballad there are some dueling guitar solos and there's an atmospheric feel blah 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 blah. however um you know i think if you're going to close out the record and thankfully it's closed this is the way to do it and i like whatever you got going on right now my friend <laughs> thank you it's, it's cliche ballad time cliche ballad time mm. Yeah, I love what you just said there. I love it. I love it. The scented candle. It turns out when you blow them out, they they don't smell as good as regular candles. Anyways. But you'd rather do that than listen to this song, I bet. <laughs> oh, my God. This song is so boring and predictable. And it, it's really kind of funny because what you realize that they do is that um, on the edge is, is downshifting. So instead of going uh, faster where you upshift into a gear, they're, they're downshifting. They're, going, they're slowing it down so that when we get to save your love, they're in first gear and trying to park is what they're doing. They're ready to get off this ride. And I couldn't wait to get off it with them either. Um, this thing's so boring and predictable. Um, I wish he wouldn't talk about dreaming so much. and It's just putting me to goddamn sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so Could you imagine this album stretched to like the 12 or 13 or even 15 tracks? Oh my God, like, no. We would, I, we would have just purposely left them out, I think. <laughs> so I think... Um, you know, last week we talked about uh, lots of Metallica stuff, but particularly we talked about Load and Reload and how they were supposed to be a double album. Mm -hmm. um, but recording, whatever, whatever. I was wondering, do you think, because this album's called Once Bitten, the next one's called Twice Shy, and the single Once Bitten, Twice Shy is on the, the next album, right? Even though it's a cover. Um, okay, situation A, they wanted to release a double album with this title, but for whatever reason they couldn't. And the single ended up on the other album mm. or B. I don't know what B would be like. Yeah. I just can't figure out like, cause. <sighs> Something's not adding up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, like it, was it really that intentional? Did all the stars align to where like kind of that was the flow of everything? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I agree. Maybe th maybe this was supposed to be a double album. In that case, um, oof, I, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. Uh, it, it's interesting though that this band is the, they're defined by you know that cover tune, um, and you know all the bands were doing. We mentioned Poison earlier. They were doing you know your mama don't dance, your daddy don't rock and roll. 
earlier in the 80s, right? Uh, Molly Crew was doing smoking in the boys' room. So, I mean, that was the thing to be doing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah ben Helen did some too, right? Um, well, I mean, yeah, they did, uh, they did Pretty Women or yeah, Pretty yeah. Woman. Pretty That's Woman. That's what I'm thinking of. Pretty Woman, and they did Dancing in the Streets too. Um, it's yeah. not like it's uncommon, right? No, and, I guess and, not. And covers, you know, have been a big part of mainstream American radio for as long as we can remember. Yeah. But um, why don't we start the final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's do that. Well, listen, listen. I thank my good buddy Don for the suggestion. He's a wealth of information uh, for this music and a lot of classic metal, to be honest with you as well. He, he shares a lot of, lot of good stuff uh, with me on the, the classic metal side, and he also digs this stuff. I can see where this is the band's peak, really, in their best effort. Uh, listen, I don't mind tracks like Lady Red Light, Rock Me, um, and and even because of the change of tempo, Fast Road. Uh, but that's that's really the extent of it. Uh, I think it clearly displayed and communicated. I think I clearly, sorry, displayed and communicated how the surface level lyrics and how frustrating they are um, when you have bands that have good musicians and singers with good voices. I'm not going to crap on it too much here, but Great White is, you know, I would say they are a contributor uh, and a reason to the genre imploding for sure. Uh, Mark, what about you on your, your final thoughts here? I couldn't imagine a band named after a shark being so toothless. Like it's just, when it comes <laughs> to their music, there's just so little edge. There's so little bite. You know what I mean? And they'd have been better off as white noise. White noise. Um, also, I don't know why this album was called One Spitten, right? Um, none of the songs were about sharks. And the the song One Spitten, Twice Shy is, is off the album that would be released. Two yeah, years later. it's so confusing. Um, did they just like that song and want to cover it, but couldn't get the rights in time for this album? Maybe. It, sorry, Don. Um, you know, uh, this record <laughs> did literally nothing for me. Uh, but make me wish I was listening to anything else. Um, <laughs> it's so safe and cliche. Uh, at least the next record gets sexy with Mr. Bones. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Bone. Um, you know, uh, it's a shame. There's nothing wrong with this band. They just can't seem to do anything good. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, nothing's bad. It's just not good. Not good. That's the problem. <laughs> um, you know, they've, they've got the skills, just not the ability to de- to deliver on them. You know, if a hundred people hadn't died at their concert because they set off some pyro, there'd almost <laughs> be nothing interesting to talk about with this band. <laughs> and it's just weird. And I talked about this earlier. It's just weird how there's two factions of them currently going. You know, and it's it's really unbelievable. And listen, if they want rocking my way to your love tonight, they could take it. That's all I could tell them. They could take it. Yep. Giving it away for free. Giving it yep. away for free, folks. Yep. Um, well, that was great, White. Once bitten, and we're not going to review Twice Shy at all. At all. Uh, I do encourage, though, people to listen to the original version of Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Ian Hunter. Uh, I think it's better than Great White's version, and it made me think eventually maybe we'll talk about songs that are covers that people don't know are covers because I think a lot of people maybe think that that's a Great White tune. Um, yeah, and I'm not trying that's to, a good idea. Not trying to discredit them there, but I'm just saying it's. A are cover. you trying to suggest that Great White hasn't written any <laughs> great songs? I wasn't that trying to only... discredit them there, but <laughs> uh, you're like maybe they did it themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
they hadn't written that record, we couldn't have put it down. <laughs> that's so. right. That's right. Uh, uh, I know. I know. All right. So let's get to next week's episode because we're going to be bringing back a versus Mark, but uh, this yeah. time it's it's an inner conflict. So it's going to be the same yeah. band. And, and what we're going to do is mm-hmm. Mark's going to take that candle and look awesome in it, by the way. And speaking of metal, I, I mean, that's metal. Thank you. That's metal right there. Thank you. Yeah. That's the YouTube thumbnail and everyone that you can see it. That's the YouTube thumbnail. Yep. So we have a verse series, a uh, verse episode that we're bringing back here that we haven't touched, you know, uh, in a while, but uh, yeah, kind of a spotlight, kind of a verse. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So inner conflict and it's the band Weezer. So their debut album, the blue album uh, versus their second album, Pinkerton. They are both typically positioned at the top of Weezer's all time records by critics and fans and we're painting them against each other to see which one comes out on top these two albums to me couldn't be more different to each other and it's it's going to be fun to go through it what about you mark yeah i'm excited for this one you know weezer reminds me very much of summer and i know you guys are feeling summer right along with frank and i um so you know this is going to be a fun one to you know put on and go about your day-to-day business and and hopefully find some adventure within your life enjoying um, my childish uh, ideas of summer. Plus, I haven't really listened to either of these records in, in quite some time, uh, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go back and revisit them. Yeah, um, I agree. See how, see how they've held up with time. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I think they're two two important records, and and it's going to be fun to, of course, dissect them. And obviously, then we're going to have to pick which one we personally prefer. Um, yeah. And that's where it gets fun. So I, I enjoy, of course, doing things like that. So, yeah, that that's our episode. I'd like to thank everyone for their time. You can, of course, listen to these episodes where you listen to podcasts and all the previous episodes. Uh, we're on Redline Radio every Friday from 11 to 12, and we're on YouTube. So be sure to hit that old subscribe button, become part of the Facebook group. And if you have a record you'd like us to suggest, drop us a line. We love when we get suggestions. And until mm-hmm. next time, everyone, peace. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot, Don.